Hello and welcome to what we hope will be a series of podcasts, and we're to, we're, which we haven't got a name for yet, but we, we hope to find one soon. And um, just to introduce myself, my name's Stefan and I work with the production team here at the Institute and I create some of the educational video content that supports teaching here at Southampton. And, and this is my colleague and co-host, and let's face it, who else would I choose uh, to chat about education, teaching and learning, uh, new technology, best practice. So, hello, Fiona. <laughs> hello. Yes, I'm Fiona Harvey, and I work in the Centre for Innovation, Technologies and Education at the moment. Um, and, uh, yes, I'm an Education Development Manager, and I work across the university, and I do talk to lots of different people, and I do help lots of different people to engage in using technology for active learning. So, without further ado, let's talk about one of the projects that you're uh, currently engaged with. Great. So the iChamps are innovation and digital literacy champions, uh, formerly known as DigiChamps. The confusion around the term meant that we needed to clearly define exactly the activities they get up to. Um, and they're very much academic focused. So they're chosen by their academics of their discipline to work with them to help support the development of the digital literacy skills for the academics and other students. So they run sessions, they um, support some ideas around how they can be more engaging in their lectures. Um, and they also support how getting the students on board too, because just because an academic might say, I want to use Twitter, doesn't necessarily mean that students know what to do using Twitter. So we need to sort of foster the engagement in these activities in a much more supported way rather than just throw things at students. Yes. So these um, iChamps um, work with me. Um, I meet with the academic and I meet with the students, so I'm supporting both sides of things. So I'll have the ideas around innovation in the curriculum and the students are then shown through me um, how to use different tools. So I'll, all the time I'm coming up with different things. Going, oh, I found my favourite, my, fav my new favourite toy or my new favourite app. Yes. Yeah. And the students are then like, oh, I, want to do, I want to use it, I want to use it. Brilliant. And the academic's like, oh my God, what's happening now? So we just try and use different things but they're in a very much more structured way and the students are not just thrown at them I'm, I'm helping support them um, and then they're earning credit towards a digital literacy badge oh fantastic which is their contribution to the university being recognized in a way that they can then display on their e-portfolios or they can display on their websites or their blogs maybe they'll go into the companies and places that they work and they'll carry on being uh, iChamps and, That's and the, yeah they could do that like I I saw that um banks now are having digital eagles and i thought well that's a good idea i can see how that <laughs> model could familiar. work yeah. Yeah, and brilliant. that's great and it's it's all about getting people more easy used to using technology in an eased way rather than just thinking th full throttle throwing them at it but actually helping them do it so it's measured so if an academic wants a blog supporting using blogs or they want support for using um ebooks then I will show the students how to do that first and then I will talk with the academic about what the best approach would be, whatever they need. And then I develop, develop some um, skills sessions for the students so that they can get their skills and then they can run a workshop with us together. So it's really partnership working. What we hope is that you'll be able to give us some updates and, and let us know uh, through, th through the weeks how it's all going. And maybe there will be some, some star projects or some star names. And maybe even you can bring somebody along and we'll, we'll, I, we'll talk to them. An but excellent idea. Yes. We can get the iChamps to come along and talk about um, their projects because Brilliant. they are doing a great job. But I'm trying not to make it um, too commercially focused. Like It's not about them 
blogging about it every five minutes or tweeting look I've just met it's about actually doing some real work with academics and then at the end of that we'll be presenting but along the way there's nothing stopping them coming in and having a chat absolutely that'd be brilliant but yeah you're right it's about properly supporting academics isn't it yeah absolutely okay and and um one of those academics doing some really interesting work is a chap called Dr. Jim. Jim's a, a mathematics, uh, pure math um, academic, and he was teaching, uh, he, well, he does, he teaches using a real blackboard with chalk. And I commented to him that actually if I was in math class and I was an international student and there was 250 of me sat there, I would be terrified to ask a question. Be- well, not one, because I wouldn't be in that class, but if I was, um, asking um, a question about something in a different language is often quite daunting to do, especially if there's, it's, it's a difficult subject. So I suggested he might like to have a hashtag for his class. So a hashtag would be a, um, a parameter for identifying content yes. on the web. And um, so he did that. I think it was hashtag is math1051. And um, the students at the beginning weren't really that fussed about it. They'd ask him what colour jumper he's got on and silly Brilliant. things. And then he, but he per- persevered. And by the second term of using it, um, more and more just were just using it. I think they heard that their academics were using um, Twitter. So then they got used to the idea, which is the thing I was going back to. You can't just throw something no. at students. Having the support there. But Jim persevered. And um, what he did was he pulled the Twitter feed into a tool called Storify so that then that could be a resource to, resource to go into Blackboard. Brilliant. I'm going to stop you there because we've actually got um, some, some interview footage from, from oh. Jim himself. So we'll, we'll, we'll play it through. Let him talk. It started with the observation that I was at the time teaching a large first-year module, about 250, 260 students, and not all students are comfortable raising their hands and asking a question in front of a large group. So I thought, there's a computer in the room that's built into the lecture theater. I could just log on to Twitter and ask students to tweet questions rather than raise their hands. This has the advantage that students don't have to make themselves known. It's possible to have an anonymous Twitter account so students could ask questions without it really being known that they were the ones asking the question. I um, started using Storify to capture the tweets. One advantage of that is it also allows me to add some text. So it's possible to just drag and drop the tweets into it and I can then add additional commentary. Some of the questions that the students tweet are correcting sort of typos on the board or asking very sort of during the flow of lecture specific questions and I didn't make additional comments on those. Sometimes I asked a a larger question where I could give a a short answer during the lecture but then expand on that answer um, after the lecture in the Storify and make a, a larger coherent answer to the question available. Sometimes the students were just making jokes which is fine I don't like jokes I even like funny jokes but um Overall, there was this, this stream of tweets, brought them into the Storify, and I just told them that the general principle was going to be I was going to just bring everyone in. So every tweet that they made would be captured in the Storify as long as they weren't malicious or overly crude, and I actually didn't get any of those. So one of the things that I'll be thinking about for next semester is what other ways can I continue to enrich the, the Storify, the stream, One of the things I did this past semester was anytime a student emailed me a question, I would just cut and paste the email anonymously without attributing it to anyone and then just answer the email in the Storify. 
The one disadvantage to using Storify is it doesn't allow really for a dialogue, an extended dialogue with the student. So one thing I want to think about is, is there a good way of, of somehow capturing an extended dialogue? To be honest, I haven't really worried about that up to this point because we haven't had any really extended dialogues. It has been very much sort of question response without a more extended conversation. It seems to have worked well. The, uh, the Storify for the class I did this past semester with about 250 students has about 2,000 something hits in Storify. So on average, that's eight per student. I'm sure that a lot of students didn't look at it, but then at least there was enough interest in it that warrants me continuing with the experiment. I think the, the biggest benefit was, yeah, just providing a different route, an additional route to a gauge, um, but not closing off any of the other routes. I still had office hours. We still had tutorial sessions. We still had all of the, the standard things that we offer for a module, but this was just one additional route for people to ask a question and get an answer. With a class this size, there's so much noise. There's so many different things affecting the performance of the class as a whole. Um, that I don't, th I think it would be extraordinarily difficult and would require really a vast amount of time to try and prize out the effect of this one thing over all of the other things. So, I mean, you have the difference in just one cohort versus a cohort the previous year or the year before that. Um, every time a, you give a class, it's always going to be slightly different. The emphasis is going to be a little different. So, there's so many things changing in a small way that it's difficult to to pick out the effect. And to be honest, I wasn't actually worried about it. As long as the students were engaging, as long as there were tweets coming in, as long as you know people were checking the Storify after the lectures, I don't really, you know, that's enough for me. I've just tried to have some fun to play around and to see what I can do with the tools that are available. So you can see uh, Jim's really getting getting stuck in there. And uh, I think what you were saying earlier about some people, uh, you know, commenting on his jumper and, and sending jokes, he, he quite enjoys that as well. So I think he's, it's really changed the atmosphere of, of yeah. his lessons and yeah. th that a is a lot more being. fun. Yes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Despite being a mathematician, he is a human being. You're inviting students to, to ask you something in real time. So the control thing has to come down and you just have to to let go of the reins and think, actually, let's just see what happens. Okay, we're going back to taking a risk again. You know, yes, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, Jim says that in the yeah, interview, yeah. absolutely. In fact, there's been two recent talks, and the second featured Judy Wintrip, who brought a group of students together to talk about students as curriculum designers and change agents. And Fiona, I believe you went along to that. Yeah, I was, um, I'd met those students beforehand, and they're her PhD students, lovely, lovely students, all very engaged, all very interested in using different tools. So um, a while back, I met with Julie and I um, showed that I was showing them how to use Prezi actually, and I was just talking to them generally about digital literacy and some ideas. And um, they were these these are not people that would regularly use social media for their jobs because they're in healthcare and healthcare there's a special code that you need to abide by, which is great. But I was showing them how to use Prezi and they were really grasping it full throttle think this is great and then they were talking we just spoke generally and then Julie was talking about her project and the way that she works um, and it's kind of like the same model with the iChamps except 
these students are much more involved in the curriculum because they're practicing professionals. Yes. So they are, it's almost like asking the employers to contribute to yes. your content. So, so they're taking their experiences from day to day. I think uh, one of the guys uh, else, she, she's an air ambulance or yeah, something like that. A, so, yeah. You know, some absolutely fantastic A&R, expertise, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of frontline NHS people and their, their students here and they're bringing all their that experience into into back into the curriculum and saying, oh, you need to, to, yeah. to look at this. And I think, yeah, they were saying that they have to write up certain reports anyway, so you might as well get some credit for it almost. And I could see how you could do that. I mean, it doesn't work for every discipline because they are high they are professionals and they're already working in this field um so different levels of student but there's different levels of engagement that you can have with students so it's it's something that her model you can use as students as co-producers so we've got students that are iChamps as co-producers but not at the same level as Julie students who are PhD students and um have a, a wide range of expertise but it was really interesting to see them and to hear from them it was great <coughs> We're all from Health Sciences and we've got some Health Sciences colleagues here today. Our students, they are doctoral and they are brilliant. You'll say to me, but these are exceptional students who will have answers for that. Um, but the important thing is none of our students arrive as empty vessels. They arrive with life experiences and views and perspectives and wonderful things to contribute and add. And it makes our job much more interesting. We're talking about something quite ambitious today, but we're happy to talk about much, much smaller everyday things that we could do to work with students. Um, it not only engages our students in the work of academia, because they already are anyway, because all of these three have students in their workplace, they'll be designing modules and teaching and doing all sorts of things and soon they'll be supervising, but it involves us as academics in practice and for me that's one of the most important things, that I become implicated in the work of healthcare in the most important sort of way. Um, we share the same problems. We all share the problems of healthcare. <laughs> we can talk a long t- for a long time about those kinds of issues. Um, and, uh, and sometimes students worry because they think, well, I can't be critical. I can't appear to be critical of this thing that I'm being assessed on. I'll just say, welcome them. Please not to worry about that. Please be critical. Um, and and uh, yeah, that's all I've got to say about why would we do it. But I'm sure we can generate even more ideas about why we would question is probably why we aren't. What do you do different in pedagogic terms when you start to have these kinds of conversations? I hope you're full of questions. The difficult thing around student engagement, because student engagement is at risk of turning into students as customers, having a happy, lovely experience, and actually the body of work on student engagement is much more long-term, it's much more robust, it's about keeping students on course, enabling students to get stunningly, you know, to fulfill their potential, to become intellectually connected, intellectually absorbed, to feel part of an intellectual community. And, and I'm a bit worried about the, the kind of term being taken off and used as happy, you know, happy students, because it isn't, the body of work is, is not around that. The, the final bit for me really is that when I hear these guys talk, I mean, we're talking about high level academic study we're talking about a doctorate we're talking about even uh, the the faculty's been brilliant i don't know if chris has caught up with this but basically we have an idea for a module out of this work which is a service improvement alternative to a, a dissertation module if anyone's interested in doing that in other disciplines please do get in touch these things like having an employer sponsor uh having interdisciplinarity throughout the the the, the, the piece of work 
students dealing with stuff like the finances of implementation. So it's one thing when you've done your research, what about getting it into practice? That becomes a, that you then need to know the, the political ramifications, um, staff management issues, how to influence, and we've, we've mentioned writing and presenting. And the other thing I see in um, Louise and Phil and Els and lots of our other students, but we've just talked about it more, is real reflexivity. They really see themselves in within this project and they understand themselves as part and parcel of events and influencing events in really interesting ways, which is often one of the biggest hurdles to actually um, work with students to, to develop. And they're there. They're ahead of you know, head of many academics on that. I think there's also a really interesting point here about employability. And you were saying, you know, the fact that, that the those students were, were from the NHS on the front line. Um, should we be doing more to bring employers into the curriculum? I think we do. I think we just don't hear about it. So that could be another little plan for us to yes. get people involved. I think that we work very closely with employers, but um, we can work closer. It just, it's again, it's time. But it's uh, making sure that our curriculum reflects the required skills. So another thing that I'm doing is working with the um, Southampton Opportunity. So that project is about um, just making sure that the skills that the students have at university isn't just around their content, it's around the things that they can do by coming to university. Brilliant. So that's the difference between doing a MOOC yes. and... Um, being a student on campus, what's the value added that you get from that? So the Southampton Opportunity Project is something that's looking at, at bringing all those things together. I can talk about that at some other time, I imagine. <laughs> okay, okay, well, we're going through everything, so I think we'll get the opportunity to do that. Yeah, in fact, we will. We'll, we'll feature the Southampton Opportunity. Um, you can stay, stay tuned to uh, hear more uh, about that. Okay, so I just wanted to go on. Um, what we'll do as well uh, regularly is talk about uh, upcoming events and things mm -hmm. that we've got planned, put stuff on the website as well and invite you along. We had super attendance, didn't we, for the last yeah, two talks and yeah. lots of people came along, yeah. even though it was hot. Yeah, and, and not the usual suspects. No, not the really usual suspects. Really interesting people. Yes, there is always food at this, these events. Food. And that's and that is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And what was really interesting is the, the lots of the questions that we had at the end were, were people really engaging with what they were listening yeah. so and how uh, can they do it with their students yes. it's always the question and there's there's never enough of us but there is enough of us to make a difference so we can we can support that absolutely so. okay so listen there's been a lovely end of term feeling around the campus this week and students graduating and lots of people coming to support their family and friends mm -hmm. and colleagues mm -hmm. they went up on stage to pick up their degrees and mm -hmm. ma's and phds and and all the other mm -hmm. plethora of qualifications and um the fine efforts of colleagues across the university were picked up at the annual VCs awards, mm -hmm. which included prizes for individuals and teams working tirelessly on exceptional projects. And one of the teams that picked up an award was the site team. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. So, and and they picked up an award for um, work on the MOOCs. Yeah. And uh, and and you were there, were you? <laughs> I didn't go, you, but what? only because um, I wanted to go and I did ask if I can go, but they said, oh, it's by invitation only. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea that everybody else from site would be gate crashing, <laughs> but I follow procedure and I didn't go. But I, I did go over to the staff party and congratulate them Good. all there we go. Um, because they have worked extremely hard. I mean, it's not just doing your job. It's like doing your job and then doing another job. So they were working till 10 o'clock at night, weekends, five o'clock in the morning, um, it's all day, every day. So I think they were. It was well deserved. It's really fantastic. Well deserved. And I, I did manage to do, speak to a few people. I talked to the to the VC himself, and and, and let, let's hear what he had to say. 
often work that doesn't make it into the public domain, done quietly behind the scenes by incredibly dedicated people. So it's a really great opportunity to bring to the surface all of this extraordinary work going on in the university that doesn't normally get highlighted. Absolutely, and it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg, you feel. There's lots of teams squirreling away in lots of busy offices doing lots of exciting projects, just like the ones that we're seeing here. Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, this year we had a record number of nominations, people who are doing great work on behalf of the university, often unheralded, that we want to celebrate. It was a really difficult job this year to actually get down to a shortlist uh, and then eventually the prize winners. So, really fantastic people doing great things in our community. And there seems to be a thread that's running through it, which is all about enhancing the student experience and, and, and really giving uh, lots of value to the time that students spend here, something unique when they come to Southampton. Sure, and I think that's really uh, a very important element of the recognition we try to give is that we know, of course, with 23,000 students, there are a lot of individuals who are working really hard on behalf of our student body and are really trying to personalise the service that's offered to them and are really trying to make their experience at the university quite outstanding. And also, I spoke to some of the team, uh, they were really thrilled and I think for, for some people it was real recognition that the, the MOOCs have, are making an impact, uh, that they're, they're something very fresh and innovative and we're, we're, we've learnt a lot from doing them and I suppose the main thing is what we're learning from the MOOCs we want to put back into the curriculum. Oh absolutely, the MOOC movement, um, I don't know, we have to look at it, I think we, we should be looking also at the CMOOCs, so we have the platform providers and that's fantastic but there is so much that we can do that we're not doing and again it's time but it's definitely um, opened up the doors, it's the Trojan horse they call it or the Trojan mouse yes. to um, get academics to think more about online learning and how that can be um, used in the blended context for their students. So some of the things that we've learned from doing MOOCs we can apply to students on campus or some MOOCs could be used with on-campus students but yes. it just depends on how we do it and obviously to make sure that we have quality assurance processes in place to Absolutely. to make sure that what we offer at Southampton is of such a high quality as everything else. So in fact, I know that you went up to talk to the QAA themselves about MOOCs, which is really interesting that they're actually getting involved in this and they've sort of woken up to what is it, what, what MOOCs are and, and yeah, uh, what, no, what opportunities. Been on it. I think they've been looking from the sidelines and uh, when I went up to London last week, it was really to talk to, uh, it was with FutureLearn and FutureLearn were just having a discussion, the three questions around um how how really the QAA could be involved and what should they be doing, what shouldn't they be doing. And it was really, um, two of the questions really weren't about the platforms themselves, it's just about MOOCs in general. Um, and it was really about looking at uh, what role that the QAA could play. And I think what they've agreed and what they with what the discussion led to was that um, that they will be more about guide guiding guiding principles, but they don't want to write anything down because if they write something down, then every institution will suddenly yes. say we have to do this. Yes. And so I think they're actually looking at doing their own MOOC. Oh, the that's QAA great. The QAA will make their own MOOC, and then anyone can look at what we do for um, higher education uh, quality assurance processes and look at some of the things that they're suggesting and, and try and blend it in with what they're doing on campus. Well, for me, that's absolutely the right approach because MOOCs are, are very new. Yeah. Um, well, to a certain extent. I mean, we have had online learning for a long time, but, yeah. but the, in this form, in MOOCs, they're, yeah. they're, it's, it's a bit special. And I think they're recognising then that it's fluid, that it's mm. changeable, that uh, MOOCs can be pointed in different directions to serve different purposes. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, very it's, positive. It's, Definitely one of the things I recognise, it's not online learning, it's not just online learning, 
it's something completely different. And if it's going to be called a MOOC, if it's the massive, you know, if we've got 100 students, that's no, that's not massive. So if we need to embrace the massive, I think, to make it useful. Embrace the massive. Yeah, embrace the massive. Brilliant. Sounds quite trendy, doesn't it? <laughs> embrace the massive. No, no, absolutely. Use the web and then really make something with all those thousands of learners get something from them and then change how you do something on campus you yes know, use what you've learned and uh yeah that's that's the difference i think MOOCs as agents for change agents for cha- agent yeah, change like yeah. good okay so um we know that there are lots of stories out there um that we want you to to talk to us about and if you're doing something similar to what, what jim and, and julie are doing or 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 what some of the work on some of the MOOC uh, mm-hmm. we're going to try and do this uh, at least uh, well I don't know really every couple of weeks as maybe often as, we as often yeah. as we can Time yes p- pending, yeah. absolutely but it'll be up on iTunes for you to download but also you'll be able to download it from the website and there'll be lots of details to follow on that and remember we really need you to contribute to it and ask us questions and we'll go out there and we'll we'll ask those difficult tough mm. questions on your behalf and we'll even have a, a Twitter so we'll have a hashtag and of we can course. look at that and we can ask, answer the questions that come through to us from Twitter. Yes, we'll do it live. We'll do actually, it live, Yes, yeah. that would be really fantastic. So I'm already looking forward to the next uh, <laughs> one of these. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about uh, in the meantime. But um, thank you. Thank you very much, Fiona. You're welcome. <laughs> and, thank uh, you for asking. See me. you next time. Thank you.